I wanted to take a moment and share with you uh, scripture, and um, this one kind of exploded in my spirit. It's a familiar one. It's found in Joshua uh, chapter uh, number 24. I'm just going to beg your indulgence for a moment because what I want to do, I wouldn't actually call this a sermon. It's more like just a little word that I want to share and, and place it down kind of deep. So we'll do this and then we'll do the uh, baby dedication. So if that helps um, for those who are scrambling right now, let me just, let's just try to do this here. If you have a Bible or a phone uh, or a connection to the internet, turn your browser to... Uh, Joshua 24, I want to live long enough to see people start carrying Bibles back to church. It's just a pet peeve of mine, you know, but anyways, Joshua 24 in verse number uh, 15, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose from for yourself today who you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, or those of the land in which you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One verse speaks volumes. Joshua 24 begins with... Joshua gathering the tribes of Israel. Joshua has been the general of the armies of Israel. And I can't explain to you why it is, but the Lord has just put a thing in my heart to try to know and try to understand generals. Not that I aspire to be one. Not that I think that I am one. But I am intrigued by generals of armies who recognized what was at stake and what they were fighting for, and these generals made the tough calls and decisions. These generals led people and armies. And Joshua is the general of the armies of the Lord. His commissioning started with God coming to him and saying, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. When God says someone's dead, it's really discouraging because he, <laughs> he's usually a little more optimistic about it than that. He approaches Joshua and he says, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, you, therefore. And he calls him and he commissions him. I want to tell you about one commission and then I want to tell you about one private but first of all, let me just remind you that when Joshua gathers these people together and he's about to resign his commission, he's about to retire. Joshua is about to say to the people, farewell. My service to the Lord, my service to this people is finished and you'll have to go from here. So when he gathers them together and he starts to retire and he starts to bid him, them farewell, what he does 
is then he slips into prophecy. And I want to say something about prophecy. The first thing that God said to Joshua is that he needed to be strong and courageous. The second thing that he said to Joshua is that Joshua needed to meditate in the word of God, in the laws of God, day and night. Why? Because the seed and the essence of being able to prophesy and to lead people is hearing from God. And we need to hear from God by recognizing him in his word. So it always concerns me when prophecies hang on nothing but someone's hearing. But when a prophecy hangs on the word of God because something was built into the spirit of a man or woman, and out of that they hear the Lord speaking, and they begin to speak, and they begin to say, thus says the Lord. That's exactly what Joshua did. So Joshua gathers them together, and his intent is to say farewell to them. Instead, what happens is he begins to prophesy, and he begins to tell them, in the name of the Lord, it was me. God says, I, I want you to remember this, I brought you out of Egypt. He says, I want you to remember this, I made the Red Sea part. I did that for you. I destroyed the armies of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the strong hand of your enemies. I brought you into this land. I fed you day after day. I was the one who led you into battle. I was the one who led you across the Jordan River. God says over and over again, about 10 different times, it was me. I did this for you. And then in verse number 14, then, then Joshua says, after all these eyes that God pronounced, he says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the Jordan and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This is a defining moment. What, what is about to take place is that now God has stopped speaking, and Joshua is going to speak to them. This is really important because I want you to catch this. When Joshua said, you do what you think is right, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I was sleeping, minding my own business. The Holy Spirit woke me up, and he said, that verse is not a metaphor. It is not a parable. It is not a proverb. It is a declaration. It is a driving the stake in the ground. It's drawing a line on the sand. This is a man who, became, who was the general of the armies of Israel. Now he is saying, I'm going to retire from the military, and I'm going to lead my family the rest of my days and my life. And what you do, that's kind of up to you. But I've got to tell you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can find that on a plaque. You can find it on a bumper sticker. But it has to be found in our heart and then in our mouths. We need families today if we want to get past all of the division and all of the heartache and all of the hurt and all of the pain and the racisms and the divides and all of the isms that's going on in our country and to have truly a great country again. I want to remind you what the Canadian said so long ago. He said, America is 
great because she is good. But if America ever stops being good, she will cease to be great. If you want to see America be a good people again, if we want to see a change where things that you and I are concerned about, those things are removed and the adversary is defeated and the armies of the Lord advance and God begins to rule and to reign, then we need to find in our heart and in our mouths this declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm concerned that sometimes we mistake events like today when we dedicate our children and not recognize that what we're actually doing is dedicating a family. We're dedicating parents. We're dedicating people, and we're saying, as for me, listen, I'm not afraid of plagues. I'm not afraid of what could happen to me. I'm not afraid of these things. People can go whichever way they choose to go, and we have the freedom and the liberty to do that in this country. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. General George Washington when he came before Congress at the end of the Revolutionary War, he walked into a scheduled meeting at 12 o'clock on a Saturday, December the 23rd. He had promised Martha, I will be home by Christmas. He walked into Congress and he pulled out a letter and he read this letter to them. And as he begins to read this letter, he begins to tell them why he did what he did and why he was resigning. But then at the very end of it, as he tells them that he is resigning, he is turning in his commission, he has accomplished the mission that was given to them, him, and his commission was now being returned to them. So he pulls out of his pocket the commissioning from Congress to, to lead the Continental Armies to, uh, against the British. He pulls out this paper, and it's certified by Congress. Nine years earlier, he for nine years had fought an enemy, and now the enemy had been vanquished. The enemy had been demoralized, defeated, and gave up. And terms of surrender were signed. And General George Washington pulls this out and he hands it to the speaker at, the con at Congress as it was gathered there. And he, when he returns it to them, he said, I retire to Mount Vernon and to my plantation and to my family. And there wasn't a dry eye in the place. The picture has been memorialized by a painter. This painter was a young man who was studying in England. He was studying artistry and painting. And as he heard about this event that was taking place from his brother who was in Massachusetts, because all the 13 colonies, they knew what George Washington was doing, and they revered and honored that man. And as they revered and honored him, and they knew that he was actually letting go he was not going to become a tyrant. He was not going to become a dictator. He was not going to rule the people. He just resigned his position. A brother in Massachusetts makes a, a, sends a letter to his brother who's studying in, in, in England. And this brother, brother has an opportunity to talk to King George. And when he spoke to King George, he says, you know that General George Washington 
resigned his commission and became a citizen and went back home. And King George said, if he follows through with that and does that, he will be the greatest man who ever lived. Because King George knew what power in the hands of people can do. I'm fascinated by generals, even General Joshua. Let me tell you about a private, though. He never aspired to be a general. He never planned to be a general. He never became a general. His name was Private First Class Martin. After D-Day and the successes there, the Germans decided to retaliate in what we now call the Battle of the Bulge. The Germans coming in in three different directions surrounding the Allied forces trying to, uh, uh, to quench and to quell this onslaught of the Allied soldiers. It was a disaster. The Germans were gaining ground, and the Allied forces, even after their victories at Normandy, were starting to retreat. A soldier walking in retreat after two retreats in that week, he is now pulling back to try to find the front lines. As he's pulling back, he finds a, a truck, an armored carrier, and this armored carrier actually was a tank-destroying unit. So there was the tank operator, and then there was a, an assistant. So there's three soldiers that gathered together, this tank-destroying operator and his assistant, and this soldier walking decide to travel together in retreat. As they're retreating, they come to a place in Belgium, and as they come to a place in Belgium, they see ahead something they can't believe, and they wonder, is that possibly the Allied forces' new um, Front Is that the front now of the Allied forces? When they get up close to him, they begin to see this man digging a foxhole like the, with the, the fervency of a wolverine. He is digging in and he is going to make a stand. And as they begin to call out to him, they said, is this the front line? PFC Martin stands up and he said, fellas, if you're looking for a safe place, you can park that thing behind me. I am the 82nd Airborne, and those Germans, and he called them a name that I can't use right now, those Germans are not getting past me. Four men stood the night. In the night, as they started making their stand there, other soldiers started trickling in, and then news started trickling in about what was taking place. And what happened is right there on that spot, the Allied forces made a new front, and they stopped the German army because one man said, those Germans are not getting past me. That's the same thing that was in the heart of Joshua when he drove his stake in the ground. He said, you guys do whatever you want to, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If we had time to talk privately, I would tell you about all the things I'm concerned about too. But let me just summarize it by this. There is a deadly warfare from the adversary and the gates of hell have been opened up and unleashed a demonic horde upon the earth that is trying to destroy people, lives, and families by, it, by the hordes. They're coming against everything that is good and right and decent and they will kill your children if they can but we don't need a horde 
to stand with us. We just need a couple of men. We need a couple of women who says they're not getting past me. I'm digging in. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me tell you something, parents, if you want to be popular with your kids, then don't parent them. If you want to be their friend, they will love it, but they'll walk all over you. They need leadership. Give them leadership. Don't let the kids tell you what they will and what they won't do. You tell them what we're going to do. We're a Christian family, and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's why I dedicated our children. That's why Judy and I committed ourselves to Christ. That's why we've done everything that we've done. Everything we've done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to build a family, the family of God. And it's been worth it, and I wouldn't change a thing. I just wish I had dug in sooner. I wonder if there's any men or women here today who said, I just feel something inside of my, call, my heart. There's like a, a nobility. There's something rising up in me, and I'm just done with this, and I want to make a declaration today as for me and my house. This is not a metaphor. This is not a parable. You know, a metaphor, Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and a farmer would go out and plant. And the kingdom of heaven is like a person looking for treasure. He would say, this is what things are like. He was just comparing. But this is not what Joshua is saying. Joshua is not saying, this is what my life is like. He's not saying that. He says, this is what I will do. By the grace of God, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May God grant us a spiritual backbone. Would you please stand with me? Father, our children need direction. Our children need leadership. We need some generals. We need some lieutenants. We need some privates. We need some sergeants. We need some men and women who, uh, who wake up and recognize the day and the hour in which we live. We need something to rise up in us and start to say, we are enjoying our life, but there are those who are fighting for their survival. And so for their sake, I will get off my laurels and I will serve the Lord. Me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Help us, Lord. Search our hearts, O oh God. Truly, there's a man in this building today, or a young man, or an older man, whether they be fathers or not, who will hear the voice of the Lord saying, I'm digging in. I'm digging in. And I will serve the Lord. Truly, there is a woman or a young lady, a teenager, or a grandmother here today who hears the Spirit of God and have a sense that they are called to stand with the Lord.
She will not fear the culture. She will not fear the educational system. She will not fear social media because she will stand with the Lord. She will stand with the Lord. And the Lord will stand with her. So we thank you and we praise you. And Father, I just bless every man who is a father today. I pray your blessing on them. Give them wisdom and understanding and courage. Lord, help them to understand how to make a stand. When it's time to make a stand and when it's not. And then, Lord, I pray for those who've lost their dads. For those who have had poor leadership in their family. For those of us who might be suffering yet today because of poor leadership. Father, I ask that you will stand with them today and give them faith and courage and healing and hope and life. And I pray especially right now that there be a generation of young men who would stand up today, Lord Jesus, and begin to say with all their heart, we will be the generation that turns it around. We'll be the generation that ushers in the kingdom of God. We will be the generation that lives for Jesus with passion. Give men, young men, courage and faith and wisdom and strength. For Christ's sake we pray.